Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. You could turn with me to Luke 14. We're going to read a story of Jesus doing Jesus things around a table. We're in a sermon series right now called Truth to Table. The truth, Jesus, entering in our everyday human experience, sitting down at tables and doing Jesus things. You know that Jesus doesn't actually only do miracles in church? He doesn't actually only heal or restore or bring breakthrough in this arena. He actually has a passion to come home with you and sit with you around your table, minister to your kids, minister to your friends at work. And so today we get to read a story about Jesus doing just that after the Sabbath. So he, his disciples, the Pharisees, they've all been in temple together, worshiping, hearing a teaching. And we find Jesus at the home of a Pharisee. Again, just like last week, at the home of a Pharisee after worship. And so if you have Luke 14 on your phone or in your physical Bible, could you go ahead and stand up with me? We stand for the reading of the word here. I love, I love the Bible. You want to know why I love the Bible? Because if I had to measure my life for righteousness against my own understanding, I'd miss it every time. And I am so grateful that Jesus didn't leave me an orphan in understanding either. He came to me physically, but he also handed me something that's like a, something that can be planted in my heart that will help me live a big life in God. And we can all do that because of this word, and that's why I love to honor it. It changes things. Amen? Okay, we're in Luke 14. You can read with me. We're starting in verse 1. On the Sabbath... When he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy, which we'll talk about that in a second. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him, he healed him, and he sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into the well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. They remained silent. But here's what Jesus did on the Sabbath for the man who was in need. He restored And did you know that he is still restoring through the Sabbath today? That's what Jesus wants to do today. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. And he wants to see you come alive in him again. Who of you are weary and heavy laden today? Having heavy burdens that you need to cast on the Lord alone. I have good news for you. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is here. And he's here to restore you from the inside out because that's just what he does. He did it then, and he's still doing it today. Amen? Amen. Okay, you can find your seat this morning. The title of my 
chat today, my talk. Is that what the cool preachers say, the talk? The title of my talk today is The Cost of Hurry. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you in a hurry? Oh. Oh, man. Some of us have been in a hurry for so long that we think rest is painful. We think resting in a holy manner is a waste of our time. We think that we have evolved beyond the need for a Sabbath. But I'm here to tell you that that is not what this book says. Lyle has a, um, several pastors and coaches in his life, and he asked him about the Sabbath. I'm telling on Lyle right now, don't tell him I told you. Just kidding, we, no secrets. Um, but he's, he asked Lyle a question, how do you feel about the Sabbath? Do you take a Sabbath? And if you know anything about my husband, you know that that man is the most diligent, faithful worker on planet Earth. I have never met a man who works with more diligence, with more intention, with more sacrifice, because he loves you, he loves the Lord, and he takes his calling very seriously. Okay, so he was like, how do you feel about the Sabbath? Do you take a Sabbath? And I was like, we're in the new covenant. Do I need to even take a Sabbath anymore? And this coach um, said, are there any other of the Ten Commandments that you feel comfortable breaking? (laughs) I'm coming for you today. Jesus is coming for us today because he wants us to understand the power of rest. The power of rest. So the cost of hurry. Why have you been hurrying so much? Why? Why? In this story, we have the Pharisees. They've just invited Jesus over after Sabbath. What they do on the Sabbath in Jewish culture is they worship, and then they sit together, and they break bread, and they share a meal together because there is something holy about having dinner with your friends. There is something life-giving about sitting together and making time for the people that God's put in your life. And so... That's, that's the scenario. That's what the, the Pharisees are supposed to be doing. But we all know that sometimes the Pharisees aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And in this particular occasion, they might be doing right on the outside, but on the inside, their heart is far from the purpose of the Sabbath. Their purpose is to actually bring Jesus into their midst and trap him, catch him. You're not supposed to work very hard on the Sabbath, but the Pharisees are working awfully hard to trap Jesus on The Sabbath. And that's the stage. Jesus is in the midst of these religious elite sitting somewhere. Maybe he doesn't necessarily belong. But his purpose remains the same. To seek and to save the lost. There are two people who are in need. Well, two groups of people who are in need of restoration in this story. One is the Pharisees. But they don't know it. The other is a man in need of healing, but he does know it. The difference between actually getting restored on the Sabbath and not is recognizing you actually have a need for it. So this is the story. 
Jesus invites in this unlikely guest to the dinner, as he often does, just like Lyle said last week. Jesus has a way of offending his host. He just does. He's like, come on in. I know you're never around these religious elite, but I came here for a purpose, and that is to seek and save that which is lost. So his focus is on this man who has a need for healing, and it says in the Bible that all eyes are on Jesus, just staring at him. Do you th- I'm like, was anybody talking? Was anybody like even talking, or is it just silent, like just staring at Jesus? I'm like a theater kid. I grew up in the theater. So I thought about bringing like my glasses and like a, you know, stage book and like setting the stage that way. And I was like, okay, Jesus is just staring at the guy who has a need, but everybody else is staring at him. And it's just a very awkward scene. But Jesus never breaks gaze. Why? Because he understands his purpose. He knows in focusing on this man, he's going to address two crowds. And I love Jesus for that. Because Jesus has a habit of dealing with the heart of the matter by other means sometimes and that's what he's doing he's taking this opportunity to show the 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 poor and the broken that he's here for them too but he is completely convinced of his ability to actually minister to the pharisees as well i love that no heart is too far gone from jesus some of you might have a situation in your life or a relationship in your life that feels too far gone for Jesus. But let me remind you, Jesus happily and bravely walks into that dinner with something on his mind and something in his heart, and that is to seek and save that which is lost, even the Pharisees. So what is the Sabbath? We've gotten very nostalgic about the Sabbath. Some of us are like my dear husband and myself who are like, is the Sabbath even necessary any longer? I have evolved beyond the need for strategic rest. But I want to give us a definition of the Sabbath. I almost didn't even want to use the word Sabbath, but Lyle said, no, you got to say Sabbath because it's going to make the picture make sense. Because we tune out when we're like, Sabbath, that's just like something that they did back then. It's like a great idea. We should do it. But honestly, we're all too busy to do it. So here's the definition of a Sabbath. It's very simple. It's the day of rest laid down for the people of God. The Old Testament treated the seventh day of the week, which was Saturday, as the Sabbath. But the church, the Christian church, recognizes the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we observe the day of rest on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, which is so cool. That's what sets us apart. We start in rest. Just like our first parents, Adam and Eve. Jesus is the full restoration of all things. So God's seventh day was man's first day, and we started in Sabbath rest with God. And that's what we do today through our Sunday worship, through gathering together. The Sabbath's purpose was to worship God, surrender again, and quietly connect with those who God has put in our life that bring us life and fulfillment, laughter, maybe even a hobby. Oh, hobby. Americans don't have hobbies. We should. But for, the, but for most of us, the Sabbath has become an idea that we're too busy to actually participate in. But for the Jewish culture at the time, the Sabbath was a very, very hot topic debate. Okay? 
This is the reason why I think the Pharisees loved to invite Jesus over to their house on the Sabbath. It's a pinch point culturally. Think about our pinch points. Gender, sexuality, whether or not we should kiss dating goodbye. Some of you didn't grow up like I did. Hmm. Pinch point conversations culturally. And the Pharisees are trying to outsmart Jesus by putting him in a place of testing on a day that culturally is already very, very hot in its debate. But Jesus doesn't fall for it, right? Jesus is the master teacher. He doesn't take the bait. He just keeps his focus purpose. He's purposed on the man who has a need. It's also purposed on the Pharisees, but Jesus knows how to solve problems by other means. And I love that about Jesus. Despite the fact that all the eyes are on him and he's being tested in the heat of the moment, he pays no attention to the Pharisees and he welcomes in this man. Jesus is always at peace and at rest, even in the midst of a tense situation. And he's showing us what it's like to live life in the midst of tense situations. As believers and as Christians, we actually have access to the Holy Spirit. And we are actually able to live at rest and at peace despite the tension of our life, whether that's newborn babies or a career that's demanding or maybe persecution or any of the other myriad of things that come our way in life. We can actually live like Jesus reclined at the table despite the tension of the moment. Amen? And that's what Jesus is showing us focused on his purpose. He invites him in. And then now's like the time in the story where I start recognizing who I am in the story. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I, I want it to transform my life. And you know, it's really important for you as you read the Bible is to read yourself into the story of the Bible because this matters for us today. And so I'm like, okay, I'm racking my, my brain. Like, who am I in the story? I'm definitely not Jesus. Definitely not Jesus. He's perfect and he's the son of God. And I would never venture to be Jesus. But I don't really want to be the Pharisee because I'm a friend of God now. We're friends. And he loves me. But then it leaves me with this awkward opportunity to say, okay, am I the man in need of healing, the man with dropsy in the story. And as I pondered it this week, I was wrestling between Pharisee, dropsy, Pharisee, dropsy. What's dropsy? Dropsy is um, best articulated as edema. So it's a swelling of the limbs, extremities. It's very painful. It's really hard to um, do normal life, exist um, with it in your walking and you're going and riding. Imagine, like, this is so painful. Everybody knows that he's ill because... He cannot be hidden. So I'm like, Pharisee, dropsy, Pharisee, dropsy. And the Lord spoke to me, whispered to me, and he said, you want to be the man who knew that he was in need. But he also said to me, so often you are the Pharisee. You want to be the one who knows that they have a need. But so oftentimes we are the Pharisee thinking that we have evolved beyond God's intended need 
or intended desire for the Sabbath. But we confess our need today. We confess our need of you, Jesus. Let us be a people who know where to get our sustenance from. Jesus, it's only you. That's what I, I want to be that. I want to be that kind of person. I want to be that company of people who acknowledge that Jesus is the only source. He's it. He's it. And in the story in verse 3, um, Jesus says something to the lawyers and the Pharisees, and he asks a question. He says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But we find that they remain silent, awkwardly silent this whole time. Goodness, will somebody speak aside from Jesus? But they know that they've been caught. They were going to catch him, but he did what the great physician always does, which is he discerns the motive of the heart. And they're like, I imagine, I imagine the Pharisees are like, oh, darn it. We've been found out. He's reading our mail. Because is it unlawful to heal on the Sabbath? According to the way that they translated scripture, which you didn't have the son of man there, so who was walking around just healing people on the Sabbath? I don't know. But according to their translations, yes, it was healing was work on the Sabbath. But there's no direct law against healing on the Sabbath. It was just their translation of the idea of work on the Sabbath. I think they remained silent mostly because they realized that they had been found out by Jesus, that their hearts had become hardened, and that they wanted to invite him over to see him fall or him fail and then catch him. But they realized that after they watch Jesus embrace, heal, and sin the man, that they've actually been found out for what's actually on the inside of them. They're the Pharisees. They're supposed to be the ones who interpret the law, interpret scripture, show people the way to God. But even the one in need, they, can, they have nothing for. And that's what Jesus does to the Pharisee in us. He, he sees what's really there. And I'm grateful for it. I don't know about you. Because I recognize that I am in need of being restored from the inside out. I'm really good at pretending on the outside. Anybody else? Nope. Yep. You guys, you guys are really honest with the Lord. I love it. Probably not pretend as much as I do. But Jesus was so faithful to violating their interpretation of Scripture. And he pointed out that, hey, even you, if you had a son or an ox, something that mattered to you that was wounded on a Sabbath day, you would still reach out and bring it into your fold again. You would still go and bring it back. And that's Jesus' plan for us through the Sabbath. But we've so often forgotten that we are actually in need of being restored. Salvation's not like this, only this one-time instant, right? It's an ongoing process where we continually surrender our lives to God. He continually pulls us out of the pit and puts us back on the solid rock again. Who am I to think I have evolved beyond the need of a Sabbath, beyond the need for rest? But culturally, that's where we've gotten to. Hustle, 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 hurry, hurry, hurry. You're not married soon enough. You don't have the house soon enough. You definitely don't have enough money. You have not climbed to that position quick enough. You better hurry. You better hurry. Hurry or, or what? What's going to happen? I always ask myself that question. If I don't get that house 
what's going to happen? If I don't get married in my timing, what's going to happen? I still got him. I have everything that I need. And that's the posture of someone who knows that they are in need of Jesus on and through the Sabbath. Have you ever been like a Pharisee and had like an ulterior motive when you're meeting with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Me too. Have you ever tried to corner Jesus? You know, like get the song just right? The mood just right? Sing the right All Hail King Jesus, which is my personal favorite worship song that's ever been written ever. I think it's a perfect worship song. <laughs> Oh, if I sing all hail King Jesus 18 times, Jesus, you will come and you'll do my bidding for me. No, 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 no. The Sabbath, all of creation, the day, the night was not meant to serve my needs. It was meant to serve the King of Kings. So he's in charge of everything, whether he does it on my timeline or not. He sees the beginning from the end and he knows what I'm meant to have in this season. But that's what the Pharisees, they're like trying to catch Jesus. We're, we're like that so often. But Jesus desires to do more for us through our times of rest with him. I think because of our heart posture and our life pace sometimes, we've actually forgotten that there remains a need for Sabbath. I think we've actually sometimes lacked discernment for ourselves and what we actually need to thrive in God. Some of you are uninterested in reading the Bible because your insides are in too much of a hurry to do it. You think it's because it's not entertaining. But it's because you've been in a hurry far too long. You have no idea. Speaking to myself too, I've had seasons where I've had no idea how to sit quietly with the Lord. It's costly to be in a hurry on the inside. It will cost you so much more than you think it will. I've heard the phrase, burnout, 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 so much in, my, in the last five years of doing ministry. And honestly, like, I think that I've gotten to, the, to points close to that where I'm like, okay, we got to hit pause. I'm, I'm about to burn out. But the Lord addressed me this year so gently but firmly um, that, hey, you're, you're in a hurry, sis. I'm an, I'm an Enneagram 9, for those of you who care and don't think it's demonic. I, I get it. But <clears throat> I'm a, let's better said, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. I like to be by myself. On the outside, I rarely look like I'm in a hurry. But on my insides, I was anxious and fearful and in a hurry like I wasn't doing enough and it was costing me this my time with God and the Lord spoke to me and he said this year I'm going to deal with your hurry I am going to show you what focused effort looks like when you focus on the things that I ask you to do and nothing else just like Jesus in the story focused on the man Nothing else, no distractions. This is my purpose. And when you do that with God, it gives you the opportunity to make intentional investment into your eternal future. So I had gotten, I was like, I can't read the Bible. I'm too, oh, I'm too tired. I'm too, I, 
I can't sit still long enough. And the Lord said, I want you to dig a well in this season. And he showed me this picture with like a pickaxe striking the ground. He said, you strike the ground every day, focused effort. What does strike the ground looking, look like for me? Read my Bible. Yeah. Worship. Pray. It seems simple. Some of you are like me and you're like, I'm too exhausted to read the word of God or I'm too busy. And I want you to know the Lord is faithful to eliminate things out of your life that distract you from him. You didn't lose it. He took it. There are some things, listen, there are some things we lay on the altar. There are some things. There are other things that, that the Lord is faithful to move out of your life, whether that's an opportunity. I'm not talking just about people, okay? God loves people. But I'm talking about opportunities. I'm talking about relationships that don't sow into your, your walk with the Lord. They're distracting you from God. And so he said, if you strike the ground every day, I promise that I will bring forth a well of refreshing for others. That's what the Pharisees were supposed to do. They were actually supposed to live a life full, to be a well of refreshing for others. They were the religious of the day. But when the man with need walked in the room, guess who was the only person full enough to give something away? Jesus. Jesus, because they were distracted. Distracted in a hurry, in a hurry to trap Jesus, in a hurry to climb the social ladder, in a hurry for their next opportunity in the temple. They were in a hurry, and it showed, and Jesus called it out just by healing the man. How long have you been in a hurry for? Ask yourself that question. In this arena of my life, how long have I been in a hurry? Maybe I'm not actually exhausted. Maybe I've ignored the purpose of the Sabbath, to be restored from the inside out. The Sabbath is an inside job, not an outside job. Remember the cup, okay? The outside looks great, but there ain't nothing on the inside. That's this week's illustration. Not, there, nothing's on the inside for the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying that's because you have lacked discernment in the purpose that I have for you. And I actually want to heal you through the Sabbath. And that's what Jesus is doing today. He healed then, he's healing now. And burnout is truly the result for, from my observation of unholy hurry. You know, unholy hurry, hurry in your own strength. Burnout doesn't just like needing to take a break from your job. Did you know that burnout can look like um, losing friends in your life that you had previous opportunity to steward that relationship, but now you have no time for it? Burnout can look like your unchecked anger. You know that burnout can look like that extra glass of wine at the end of the night because you can't sleep, so you need something to help you. Your insides are in a hurry. Your insides are in a hurry. And the Lord's inviting you into his posture, recline at rest in the midst of the tension. The hurry is going to cost you more than you think it will. And for some of you, it's actually already cost you more than you're willing to admit. But that's okay because Jesus is in the room today. And here's something that I learned as I read through this story, through Jesus healing the man with dropsy. I learned that Aside from Jesus, the bravest character in the whole story is the man who knew he was in need. 
being brought into that scenario was very uncomfortable. Some of you have been brought into the room today. You're in the room currently feeling uncomfortable because you know you have need of God. You recognize I am a sinful person in need of God. But you are brave today. You are brave. You are full of courage walking into a place where Jesus wants to touch you. But that's all of us. We all showed up today in need of a Savior, amen, in need of his transforming power, in need of him to restore us from the inside out, in need for him to deal with our hurry. It's costing us way too much. So here's what Jesus does. He doesn't break gaze with the man. He's focused on his purpose. And as he focuses on the purpose we realize that Jesus is saying to the Pharisees then, but also to us today, that he wants to restore when you surrender to the Sabbath. He was healing on the Sabbath then. He's healing on the Sabbath today. And he has plans to heal through the Sabbath for the rest of eternity. And here are the things that I've noticed is, First thing, when you're with Jesus and you're in a hurry on the inside, all you actually need is his embrace. Where you will find the fullness of your identity is in the embrace of Jesus. Notice the man. Jesus brought him close. Brought him close. A man that the religious elite had never interacted with, definitely never touched. But Jesus brings him in, and in in doing that shows us what he wants to do for us. All of your identity is found in the embrace of Jesus Christ. All of your pace is found in the embrace of Jesus Christ. You cannot outrun Jesus in his embrace. Just stay in his embrace. Stay connected. It's time to recognize that maybe your hurry won't get you what you need. Only his embrace will. Your hurry, your effort, doing great at your job. I'm so glad for you. I want you to do great at everything that God has put in your life. However, if your identity is built on your effort, that is a kingdom that will crumble at some point. Because we all have moments of life where our effort just isn't enough. So we have to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus' embrace in our life. Second thing I notice is that Jesus loves to heal through rest. Jesus makes it very clear that healing was one of the most important things he does on the Sabbath. Jesus heals on and through the Sabbath. We translate that sometimes as like Americans in ministry, like we're allowed to do ministry on the Sabbath. We can like do the work of God, which great, yes, lead, serve, love on the Sabbath. That's what the Pharisees were supposed to do. Pour out their lives, open a doorway to connection with God. But they were so hurried that they had nothing to give. And if you're in that place where you're like, I feel so empty, I want to remind you that God has a plan to heal you through surrendered rest. Listen, the Sabbath was not made for Jesus. He's whole. We are in those needing healing and a washing from our effort. As a human, he practiced the Sabbath. Why? To show us what we need. 
We need the Sabbath. We have not evolved beyond the need for rest. We have not evolved beyond the need for worship together in the house of God. We have not evolved beyond the need for meals and hobbies and laughter and joy. It restores us from the inside out. And Jesus has plans to restore. And I'm so glad that you are here today because you're engaging in one purpose of the Sabbath, which is to surrender and worship. And through that, we're healed. And I love that about the Lord. The Sabbath is a day of healing, which means that we ourselves are healed on this day of rest. The third thing that I notice is that when Jesus restored the man, he sent the man. So when we are restored, we are also sent. Listen, the man was sent out after he was restored. And we are too. So don't worry. If you love what you do and you love working hard and giving 110%, I love working hard, giving 110%, serving the Lord with excellence. But that's not the foundation that we start from. We start from rest. We recognize it's in his embrace, healed through rest, that then we are sent. And that is the most sustainable way to live life. That is a recipe to avoid burnout, doing it God's way. If you are waiting on your to-do list to be done before you take a break every week, let me remind you, it will never all get done. It never will. I always have a to-do list. I do. I've got three kids. They're very cute. But we always have to-do lists, don't we? Moms do. It will never all get done. That's your surrender. You know how we talk about the tithe, giving the first 10% to God as a representation of our surrender in all of our finances to him. That's the Sabbath. First thing we do in rest, communicating to God that we cannot do this in our own strength. All of my life is surrendered to you, and I show you that by starting with my best effort in Sabbath. We surrender to God. Let's stand this morning. Hurry will cost you too much. It's time to surrender to his pace for your life. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's what I sense that God is inviting us into today, a healthy pace for our life. If you're too exhausted to read the word of God, to spend time in his house, if you don't have enough time to get to church every Sunday, I implore you to ask God, am I in a hurry on the inside? Am I in a hurry? Okay, God, I surrender again. I'm committing to you, to your pace, to your embrace again. Before we dismiss with every eye closed, I don't suppose that every person who walked in the room today actually has a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And so if you walked in the room today brave like the man who knew he was in need, knowing that you need to start a relationship with Jesus for the first time or re-engage a relationship after being away from him, could you lift your hand, be brave with me and lift your hand in the room today? We want to pray with you. I see you. Thank you for your courage. I see you. Jesus is bringing you home today. So if we could all together pray with those who have raised their hand. 
And then after prayer, if you're with somebody who raised their hand, I want to invite you to bring them to the front to our altar ministry team. They're going to pray with you as well, but also help you engage with your next step. It's important to get plugged in. So as you bravely raised your hand, will you pray with all of us together and say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you again. I repent of my sin. Restore me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And send me into my purpose in God. In Jesus' name we pray. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you for being with us this morning. I'm so glad that you showed up today. If you need prayer for anything, I mean anything, you need healing in your body, you need breakthrough in your relationships, you need somebody to touch and agree with you in faith for something you've been believing for, could you come down and meet with one of our precious altar ministry team members? They're going to pray with you. Otherwise, we love you so much. I'll see you at First Friday Prayer, which happens in this room on Friday night at 7 p.m. Love you guys. You're dismissed. I'll see you then. the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.